0: Well, I want us to take our Bibles this morning and return to our study of Revelation. We find ourselves this morning in Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19 is where we find ourselves. We are quickly entering into, in this time of year, the holiday season. And with the holidays comes the familiar songs of Of the season, of course, and even here in our own very church, we sing those songs. We like to highlight the reality and joy that we find in our Lord Jesus Christ through those. The the birth of Jesus Christ as God came to dwell among men and was here in the flesh. All of those songs sing of the joy of God dwelling with us. But none of the songs resonate with me more than a memorable song that distinguishes the words that we find here from that famous cantata, Handel's Messiah. The Hallelujah Chorus. If you've never heard the Hallelujah Chorus sung before, you are truly missing out. If you have not heard it, you are missing one of the greatest experiences by way of music that you could experience, and the greater the choir and the louder that it is sung, makes it even more breathtaking to hear. My wife and I, every year, at least for the last couple of years, make a trek down to um, Boston, because in Boston down by the famous Faneuil Hall in that area down there they have a little music and light show that they put on every year called Blink and uh it's it's really a light show because they put all these lights on the trees and their lights dance to the music but but it's set to the music at least in the final uh course of music that plays it's set to the the hallelujah chorus from Handel's Messiah And it's done by the Boston Pops, so you know it's done very well. And it is done loud. And it is done incredibly beautifully. And the words of that song are piercing. I'm always struck by the reality of the crowd that's there. And the words of that song are piercing the ears of all of these pagans that are standing around listening and watching the lights at Christmas time and hearing the gospel of God running to them through Handel's Messiah. It ain't wonder that God said, you are without excuse. You've heard the truth. God is using even that secular event to spread His gospel. To a whole host of people, and they don't even know it. And they're liking it. The Hallelujah Chorus is sung, and it is sung loudly. There's just something about hearing a great choir. There's just something about the sound of all of that. When we were out in Louisville, even this April, with 7,000 to 8,000 people in a stadium singing the praises of God. All in unison, all at one time, all of our voices raised. There's just something about that. But none of that on earth. None of choirs singing on earth, even pagan choirs that sing well the words of religious songs on earth. None of that and no great composer who has ever been born on this earth has ever written and no choir has ever sung what will be the hallelujah chorus of all time. And we are going to be a part of it. Some of us have said, even here in this church, as we chide you to sing in the choir, I don't sing. Or I can't hold a note. There will come a day when you will sing. And you'll sing perfectly. And you'll hold the note. There is coming a day when all of heaven will break forth in the heavenly hallelujah chorus. And no one will forget it. And no one... Will be able to be quiet. And you and I get to have a glimpse of what it will be like through the words of John here in Revelation chapter 19. And and, and I believe Handel must have, have been reading this text as he was penning the words of his famous song. Just follow along as I read for us, chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. John says, After these things, I heard, as it were, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. Because He has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. And He has avenged the blood of His bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah! Because her smoke rises up forever and ever. The Twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And a voice came from the throne, saying, Give praise to our God, all you His bondservants, you who fear Him, the small and the great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the mighty reigns. This is God's hallelujah chorus. Hallelujah is mentioned here four times. You notice that. I bet you you don't know how many times Handel mentions it in that song. 51 times in the hallelujah chorus Handel mentions that very word and Handel's song only focuses on one aspect of why heaven is singing. Handel says, For the Lord our God omnipotent reigneth. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. That's the words of Handel, Messiah. and Fifty-one times the choir sings hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And we hear those words and we hear that music and we, we cannot help but join in. And yet here we read Revelation chapter 19 verses 1 to 6 and we are transported to this very moment in the glories of heaven where God's hallelujah chorus outsings anybody's. These are great heavenly hallelujahs, and all of heaven is rejoicing. By the way, it's interesting here. You notice it says there was a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. We we don't exactly know who's speaking here. At least in the initial aspect. But notice it says they're saying. Our assumption here it should be, and I think rightly so, that these are angels who, who at least initially are, are singing this choir or saying this choir. The word there is saying. It's not the word for singing. In fact, there's nowhere in Scripture that you ever read or find anywhere where angels sing. They say a whole lot. And they're saying it loudly here, but it doesn't seem, at least from what we read in scriptures, that angels are singing, and yet they are praising God. We certainly are singing. Handel gave one reason for this chorus. God reigns, but God gives us three reasons for these heavenly hallelujahs, and then one final command to rejoice that we'll hold off until next time to get to. So I just want to walk through these reasons for us. First, let me give us an understanding of what hallelujah means. One, It's a compound word in the original language, in the Hebrew. One, one side of the word is Hallel, you see it there even in the word, H-A-L-L-E-L, Hallel. Hallel means praise. That's the simple uh, translation of it, to praise. The other word is just Yah, J-A-H, if you will. And it's the Hebrew uh, short word for Jehovah, which means Lord, Lord. So when hallelujah is said, or, or when it is sung, it is saying, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's, that's what hallelujah means. You find the word hallelujah 26 times in the Old Testament. You find hallel quite a bit, but hallelujah only 26 times, and only four times in the New Testament. Guess where those four times are? right here in Revelation chapter 19, of course. In the Old Testament, it's always found, at least those 26 times, in the Psalms. Why? Why in the Psalms? Because the Psalms were Israel's songbook. When when they sang praise to God, they they would turn to the Psalms. And there were groups of Psalms known as The Hallel Psalms, the praise psalms. For example, there is a group of psalms in the book of Psalms, Psalm 113 through 118, that are known as the Hallel of Egypt psalms. You say, well, why why are they called the Hallel of Egypt psalms? Because all of those psalms have to do with God's deliverance of the Hebrew people from Egypt. They are praising God for His deliverance of them from the land of Egypt. In fact, I hope you noticed that we read this morning from a Hallel Psalm, Psalm 148. In fact, all of the final Psalms, 146 to 150, are Hallel Psalms. That's what we have here in Revelation 19. We have a heavenly Hallel psalm or song this is all of heaven saying praise the lord praise the lord but why why is why is all of heaven at least here in this specific place praising the lord god gives us three reasons here why heaven is praising him and these three reasons all highlight its primary emphasis and that primary emphasis for this praise of the Lord and the glories of heaven is salvation. Or we could say it this way. All heaven is praising the Lord for the very same thing that Israel praised the Lord for, and that is deliverance. That's what salvation is. It's deliverance. Deliverance from the penalty of sin. Deliverance from the guilt of sin. And that's what we have here. Notice in verse 1, After these things I heard, as it were a loud voice of a great multitude in saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Once again, we hear those familiar words by John after these things. In the chronology of the tribulation week unfolding from chapter 6 all the way up to where we are now in the chronology of the vision of John, all that has just happened at the end of those things, this takes place. What has happened? We've looked into all that over the last several weeks. The destruction of Babylon has occurred, at least in the most recent reality of the chronology of the tribulation, the false religious side of The Antichrist's world, the great harlot has been thrown down. Remember that in John, or in Revelation chapter 17. We looked at it intently. God judged the false religions of the world through, by the way, the hand of Antichrist. So that Antichrist would be, by the time the middle of the tribulation happens, be the one who is now exalted to the place where the whole world is now worshiping him. And so from the midpoint of the tribulation to the end, he has now been worshipped, done away with any of the other false religions that are out there. And all the world flocks to the Antichrist in worship and in economic companionship. And so God destroys both the religious system and he destroys the economic system and city of the Antichrist. And we saw that over the last several weeks in chapter 17 and chapter 18. And So John says it's after these things, in the chronology of the tribulation, in God's plan of redemption, that we hear this great hallelujah chorus of heaven. And it's all of heaven singing and it's all of heaven joining in the praise to the Lord because of salvation. Hallelujah! Salvation is the emphasis. You say, well, I thought we were already saved. How can this be praise for salvation? Well, let me tell you something about your salvation. In the past, before the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us that by the grace of God's electing choice, all who are saved today were chosen to be saved in time. God, by His grace, simply foreloved those whom He was going to save. Not because of their goodness, not because they somehow came down the road and saw Him and went, Oh, I like God now. Not because of any of that, but simply because of God's design and choice and wisdom and mercy in the Godhead that chose to forelove those whom He would save. The Bible tells us, Romans chapter 8. That those whom God, verse 29, foreknew, that is to put his love on ahead of time. Those whom God foreknew, he also predestined, predestined, that's predetermined to save he loved them and because he loved them he predetermined them to save them to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would they would be or that he would be the firstborn among many brethren speaking of Jesus Christ and these whom he predestined he also called that is he sent the gospel to you he called you to himself and to those he called he also justified justified declared right before him in Christ to those whom he justified, he also glorified. In other words, your day of glorification is already guaranteed. That all took place in the mind and heart of God in times past. And yet in time, all of that God is guaranteeing will take place, will happen. So when we think of our salvation, we must think of it as a past, present, and future reality. We were saved in the electing grace of God. We have been saved in time, in actuality, through the gift of faith in Jesus Christ on the day that we believed in Jesus Christ and repented of our sin. And there is coming a day when we will be finally saved from this sinful place and made into our glorified, sinless bodies so that we too might sing the hallelujah to Christ forever and ever and ever. So, why were they singing hallelujah? Because salvation and glory and power belong to our God. You see, this celebrates that full and final deliverance from sin. And it celebrates that it has come. I don't know a greater reason to sing, do you? wickedness is over our final salvation has come hallelujah salvation belongs to god it certainly does not belong to men men try and try and try to save themselves but salvation belongs to god there is no other way Isn't it interesting that most of the time you hear praise the Lord in the Old Testament and then here in the New Testament it is associated with deliverance. Anytime you hear someone say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Anytime Israel sang hallelujah. Anytime you see it here in the New Testament, which is the only place you find it in Revelation chapter 19, it's always associated with deliverance. It is God's gracious and powerful deliverance of Israel from her enemies. And here we hear praise the Lord from the heavenly host because of the deliverance of mankind from The sin that causes him to be separated from God for deliverance. That is what salvation is. We talk about the doctrine of salvation. We ought to begin to think of it as the doctrine of deliverance. Colossians says we have been delivered from the domain of darkness into the domain of his dear son. It's a doctrine of deliverance. It is deliverance from the worst enemy of all, the enemy of the soul. It is deliverance from the guilt and penalty of sin. And God's glory in salvation is put on display. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. God's glory is on display, display. When he saved you. Unable to save yourself. And made you alive in Christ. And God's power is seen by all. As he transforms your life. And his glory is now seen through. Here in Revelation chapter 19. Through his judgment of those who reject it. Notice verse 2. Because his judgments are true and Righteous. His judgments are true and righteous. It's interesting. We just went through another process in our country. Electing governing officials to write the laws, interpret the laws, make whatever things that govern our country and every one of them spent millions of dollars trying to convince us of what was true. The irony is that none of them have any ability to discern and determine what is right aside from Christ. Doesn't that seem rather ironic? You spend millions of dollars trying to convince me of what is true and the fact of the matter is I have right before me everything that I need to know that is true. But we can praise God as believers and we will praise God forever, Revelation chapter 19 says, because His judgments are right. His judgments are always true and righteous. God always judges rightly. His actions are always true because why? He is the righteous standard upon which they are made. God could never be wrong. And here we see the specific trueness of his judgment. Because he has judged, notice, the great harlot. He has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. Remember, he's talking here, at least initially, in the first, verse, first two verses in reference to the, the false religious system. Babylon the Great, the, the woman Babylon the Great, the false religion of Babylon. Babylon had traded the, the general revelation of God for a lie. Babylon was the, was the great picture of what Romans 1 talks about in mankind turning their back on, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness and worshiping the creature rather than the creator. The general revelation of God that they saw, the the invisible attributes of God that are clearly seen through what He's made, they've turned their back on that and they have now created for themselves a system of religion that served their own interests and pleasures. The testimony of heaven is that the judgment of Her displays truth. The judgment of Her displays Righteousness. The result is that all of heaven praises the Lord. Hallelujah! Deliverance has come! The picture here is the characteristic of religious Babylon is that she has corrupted every institution of God that God has even created. She's corrupted everything. He's corrupted the family. So that now the family is defined not as God has defined the family. It's no longer that men see the family as a man and a woman who are joined together in one flesh. Through the natural union of men and women that come together under marriage as one flesh, other humans are brought upon the earth for, new, and, and they too make new families upon the earth as they join together with women for their husband and wife uh, family union before God as God has created. Now the natural family is being destroyed by those who say the family is defined by whoever you love. doesn't matter if it's the same sex. It doesn't matter if it's the multiple of the opposite sex. It doesn't really matter what it is. man has turned his back on God's design and made his own. Babylon has not only corrupted the family, she has corrupted the nation of Israel. Destroyed her national testimony. It was through Israel that the promise of the Messiah came. It was through Israel that we have the Holy Scriptures. It was through Israel that the the gospel came to us, the Gentile world. This was Israel's purpose, and yet Israel has rejected her Messiah. So she has corrupted the family, she has corrupted Israel, and she has corrupted the teaching of scriptures. So that now men go about claiming to have a relationship with God when they blaspheme God by what they teach. They claim to know God, claim to be one speaking on behalf of God, and yet are blaspheming the very God who gave the Word of God that they say they're talking about. They teach that you can attain to your own righteousness. That you can live well on your own. That you can just simply be a moral person according to the laws of morality that men have made. And God will accept you because after all, God is a loving God. He'll accept you according to your good deeds, they say. That God is not going to judge you, they say. They even go on to say that God did not create the world in six literal 24-hour days. In fact, they deny that God even created it at all. And they even say that murder is okay. Go ahead, murder the innocent just as a matter of reproductive choice. Do that. And they kill those who stand on the truth. They kill those who speak the truth. They silence the truth, just like Cain silenced his brother Abel. Their false teaching men have been led back to paganism, not to God. And God has finally judged this spiritual harlot. God has finally judged this spiritual prostitute, this one who claims to know God but knows not God at all. She has spread corruption and she has persecuted the saints and so God takes vengeance for his people. It any wonder God said vengeance is mine. I will repay. There's no need for us to do that. God's vengeance will go on forever. It's only just, isn't it? Think about the sinners, the rejecters. You think about us in that place and by God's grace He saved us. There is no wonder that we would say hallelujah. The ones who have championed the moral corruption of the world should now themselves be destroyed by the one they have rejected. The ones who have killed the saints should now themselves be killed by God. Is it any wonder that heaven rejoices? They rejoice because of full salvation. They rejoice because the redeemed are now fully saved. They rejoice because of the full, true, and righteous judgment for Christ on the rejecters of Christ. So hallelujah, false religion is judged. There's a second hallelujah here. Notice verse 3, and the second time they said hallelujah. Why? Because their smoke rises up forever and ever. The first hallelujah is in response to the judgment of false... Religious Babylon. And the second one is in response to judgment upon physical Babylon. It's as if we're getting a a short, just three-verse summary on chapters 17 and 18. Hallelujah! Religious Babylon is gone. Hallelujah! Now the smoke of her rises up forever. One is the praise uh, ultimately for salvation and the, the righteous judgment of God. And now you see this praise because of the permanence of Her destruction. Hallelujah. For her smoke rises forever and ever. Remember we saw that chapter 18. Babylon has gone up in flames. Verses 8 and 9. The smoke of her burning. It says it over and over again. Verse 18. They saw the smoke of her burning. Verse 18 again. What is. City is like the great city. In other words, all of this before our eyes, the pagan world says, and God is destroying it. All of this is gone to nothing. The pronouncement was made all the way back in chapter 14 and verse 8. Woe, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, and her smoke rises forever. You say, why forever? Because God is showing us here the permanence of her destruction message is plain Babylon once it's restored will never again find its restoration when God destroys it praise the Lord she's never going to return praise the Lord And heaven again echoes the praise in verse 4. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. Amen. You know, the first time you hear the word Amen in the Bible is Numbers chapter 5 verse 22. When you hear it there, it's part of a ratification of a test for adultery. Seems rather strange, doesn't it? Amen was a a word of ratification. It it was a word of a, a committal of the truth. In other words, it's a word that seals it. It's a word that affirms all that was just said. My boys and I used to joke years ago, say, so let it be written, so let it be done. Amen. It's like, Amen. It's down, it's done, so let it be. That's what Amen means. It's the highest word of sealing affirmation. So when we pray, we say, Amen. Why? It's as if we're sealing our prayers with the words, Let it be done as we have said. And here, the 24 elders representing the church and the the four living creatures as we saw months ago, these special angelic creatures that surround the throne, they all bow and worship to God and they say, so let it be done, God. Yes, Lord. We echo the praise of your salvation, and we echo the praise for your judgment on the Antichrist world. Yes, Lord, let it be done. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, they say. And then we hear the final hallelujah, verse 5 and 6. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you His bondservants, you who fear Him, the small and the great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah! Why? Because the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Give praise to God, He says. Command. This is a present tense command. And that just means for us who have forgotten our 10th grade grammar, keep on praising God. All of you His bondservants, all of you who are uh, servants of His in, in, uh, throughout all of your, your history into the future, continue to praise Him. Never stop praising Him. All His bondservants, that's all believers. All those whom God has saved, you praise God. All the believers who are in heaven, during the tribulation, guess who that is? That's part of the group, it is us. We're there, we've been taken out, remember, we're the church. So we're there praising God, and all of those who have been saved during the time of the tribulation are praising God. All of us are worshiping saints, small and great. It doesn't matter from all intellectual abilities, from all social classes, from all levels of spiritual maturity, from all of you who who can't sing and now do sing. All the ranks of all kinds. That's what he's saying. Everybody. Praise the Lord. Jesus even said through the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2. There is coming a day when every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Of those in heaven. That's all who are there now and all who will be there. Up to the point that Jesus Christ comes which is us, all who are on earth. So that's all those who are still around during the tribulation who get saved and haven't been killed and martyred because of their faith and all those under the earth. That means all who uh, are still there awaiting a resurrection because they are saved and even the demon world will praise God. All will proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord. All will worship. Oh, certainly those who aren't saved and all the demon world and Satan himself will go to hell forever, but they will, before being cast away forever, acknowledge the reality of what they already know in their heart. Jesus is Lord. They will vindicate the righteous judgment of God as He exercises that judgment upon them. That's exactly what happens here in verse 6 this praising of god i heard as it were the voice of a great multitude the sound of many waters the sound of mighty peals of thunder so now the choir that was loud before in verse one a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven is now even louder and everybody is singing the same thing. It's like the crescendo of Handel's Messiah that gets louder and louder and more voices and more voices and more voices until it's just this absolute glorious expanse of greatness in singing to God. Everybody is singing the same thing. Hallelujah. Why? 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 Because the Lord, our God, the Almighty, what? Reigns. Because the Lord God, the Almighty, reigns. Handel got it right. Handel got it right. We end where Handel ended. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. What began in heaven is joined by the great multitude on the earth. Now, heaven and those on the earth are all singing this great praise to God. The nightmarish oppression of Antichrist is over. And all of the saints respond in this heartfelt way as heaven has commanded. Continue to rejoice. This is, folks, the real hallelujah chorus. Hallelujah, for the Lord, our God, the Almighty reigns. He is king. He is king. You know what reigns means? Reigns just simply this. He's in charge. He's in charge. He has taken now full sovereign control. I love that. I love that because the next very next two events on the calendar in revelation here as we study is the marriage of the Lamb and the coming of Jesus Christ. What better way to usher in the grand and glorious reality of all that? There is coming a day when God is going to repay the ungodly and He's going to give relief to His people. And it's in that day When God Himself, according to His righteous and just judgment, will deal out retribution to those who do not know Him, to those who have rejected to obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in that day that God will mete out to them the penalty of eternal destruction away from His presence and away from the Lord and the glory of His power. In that day when Jesus Christ comes to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at by all who believe, they will have been set aside for destruction. And you say, well, what's what's our response to be to this? What's our response to be to that now? You know, it's simply this. Simply this. We'll, We'll just close with this. Little thing to think about. Here it is. What's your response to the Hallelujah Chorus in heaven as it's yet future? Here's, here's your response Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful to what you've claimed to say you love God. Be faithful to live out what you say, you say you believe according to the Word of God, walking in obedience to the Word of God. Be faithful to that. And secondly, lift up the name of Christ. Lift up the name of Christ through your faithfulness and through your words and bring Him glory until He comes. That's our response. Just simply sing a heavenly hallelujah every day. Sing it with your life. Sing it with your words. Because there's coming a day when what we see here will actually take place. God has set it down in the annals of time according to the wisdom of the Godhead and it will happen. Notice the phraseology even in verse 2 is past tense. The great harlot who was corrupting the world. John seeing it as it will be. We're hearing it here as it will be. Our response today is simply to be faithful and to lift up the name of Christ every day. And one day we'll be singing it in time. We'll, we'll see more of that next time. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for what we have seen this morning. Time seems to have passed so rapidly. I pray that each one here would hear these words. Hear your heart. Hear the desire for us to join in the heavenly choir as we see It will be to join even now and be faithful in our own lives to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to proclaim the great wonders of your righteousness and your judgment, that you are just and righteous in all things, that mankind cannot save himself, that the greatest joy and loudest song of our heart is because of the deliverance you have shown us through Jesus Christ, through salvation. I pray that each one here would know that great gift from you. We may have those among us who are yet to know Jesus Christ. They've heard a lot about him, even speculated as to whether it's true or not, Father, and without your touch, without you opening their eyes they they wouldn't believe any of it. We didn't, but by your spirit and because of your merciful grace, we given the gift of faith, and we exercise that faith in Jesus Christ, for who else would there ever be life-giving faith to place upon except Christ? And so now, because we have believed upon your Son, we've believed your word, you have saved us in your Son, and it's his righteousness that you see. It's on the basis of Him that we have life, and without that, we have nothing. The world rejects that truth. The world rejects any desire to know Jesus Christ. In fact, the Word, even His name, has become an offense. even heard this morning, the Gideons can't even put Bibles in schools in a country that that started out based upon the fact that, that the Scriptures were true. They can't even put it in the schools in the hands of people because our government hates you. Father, we pray that you would put righteous leaders in place that we might be able to live peaceably in this place. And yet at the same time, we pray, Oh, Lord Jesus, come, come quickly. Display your righteousness and your justice in this foolishness of sin in the world. That we might live forever in the glorious presence of you without sin. So thank you for what we see is coming in the future. Help us to be faithful now. Always proclaiming you, never stopping. That you might be glorified in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.